Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Andrew with the Martial Wisdom Podcast, and so happy you're here with me now. So happy to be back. I've had a little bit of a hiatus with finals and everything, but today's episode I'm very excited about. Today's episode is on, I believe, to be one of the most important aspects of martial arts, and that's learning to challenge and master and overcome your own fears through martial arts. And so in today's episode, we're going to kind of highlight... Uh, you know what the what this this entity we call fear is, um, what it does to us, what biological and psychological responses we have when we feel fear or we enter a fear state, um, and then some realistic ways, especially with martial arts, that I found to be helpful for us to learn to better control our response to the fear or fight or flight state. So. Very excited you're here, and um, we'll now begin this episode. I would like to start with a quote. It's a great quote that I saw, and it's going to be the kind of the highlight of the episode in terms of how you deal with fear and learning to master it. And the quote is by W. Clement Stone. I don't, I'm not that familiar with him, but he was a businessman and philanthropist. And it states that thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. And that's a very important quote. And I feel it really resonate with me, and we'll get into why um, why that is later. So let's first talk about what I mean by the fear response. Um, what I mean by the fear response is that autonomic response we have. It's basically the sympathetic nervous system response, or fight or flight. You might have heard it called that. And it's this normal automatic response we have when we're in potentially dangerous situations. And it's deeply ingrained into us. It's a very primal, natural response. And it's very important that we understand that. That it's a very normal response, first and foremost. And then we also understand biologically what happens during this response. Because understanding is kind of the key to freedom, in, my, in a sense, in my opinion. So basically what's going to happen is your body is going to biologically alter changes throughout itself to basically create a, a biological and psychological situation or or enhancement that's going to put you at the best odds of either fighting to survive something or fleeing from something. Um, so what happens? You, your adrenal glands, in response to the danger or the potential danger, release a massive amounts of epinephrine and norepinephrine, basically. Um, in other words, you've also heard of this called adrenaline. Uh, that's another name for one of the hormones there. Basically, what's going to happen is it's going to cause your lungs, your airways to open up because you want to be able to get air easily into those if you're going to fight or run. You're going to get into a, a, a quarrel with, with something. You need to have a good air flow. The next thing is to do is going to increase the heartbeat because you have to be able to get oxygen-rich blood to different areas of the body and you have to remove acid from the tissues of the body quickly. So you increase the heart rate. It makes sense. Um, it's also going to start actually inhibiting a lot of your gastrointestinal processes. So your you're actually your saliva level is going to inhibit. The activity along your stomach and GI tract will inhibit. Um, and oddly, your bladder is actually going to relax too. And this explains kind of a lot of things. A lot of people will get will experience dry mouth when they are in these fight or flight responses. They're going to feel their heart rate 
boosting up, um, they're going to potentially pee themselves. That's the relaxation of the bladder. Some people will feel nauseous or like they even have a stomach ache, and that has to do with the altering of blood flow and activity being inhibited to the GI tract. Because let's face it, during a fight-or-flight situation, you don't want to have to worry about expending cellular energy on digesting food. Um, and essentially, you're going to enter the state of, you know, being more prepared for a fight or a run. Also, another very common thing is as this adrenaline is circulating through your bloodstream for an individual to start tremoring and being on high, you know, kind of jacked up feeling. Um, your skeletal muscle will also get an increase in blood flow to it because that's what's going to either help you run or fight. And this is kind of a universal response that we all experience in our bodies to some degree. So I just wanted to highlight kind of the some of the biological pr processes that occur so that every one of us can basically think of a time, whether it be somebody who cuts us off, almost gets us in a car accident, whether we are attacked by somebody or somebody pulls a knife on us, somebody's threatening us, um, we're in these potentially dangerous situations where we feel these effects, basically, of adrenaline throughout our body. So this is a this is the fear response. Um, and what I would like people to see is and, and get from this portion of the episode is that it's a very normal response. Uh, quite frankly, if you did not have any of this response whatsoever, it probably would lower your chances of surviving certain situations. Um, they also believe that you actually can recruit more muscle fibers to get um, feats of strength or, you know, acceleration done more proficiently during these states because of the adrenaline. Um, and that's one of the theories behind these massive feats of strength, these seemingly miraculous ones where you have the stories of a grandma lifting a car off of a child. You know, somebody who normally is not that strong being able to recruit massive amounts of muscle fiber and just generate this incredible strength. So you have to realize that this is kind of a miraculous process, and it's there to help you. Now, this being said, it's a double-edged sword, uh, because what happens is, psychologically, this can amp us up too much if we let it get out of control. And we could have racing thoughts, we can stop thinking absolutely at all with our higher brain whatsoever, um, and thinking just too lower brain and not thinking through on some of the consequences um, and just being too reactionary sometimes. And we can actually develop, I mean, over amp ourselves up or just get out of control psychologically in these states. And that's what I would refer to as the fright state. So in, instead of taking the fear response and turning it into a fight state when you have to, you're actually letting it become a fright state. And what does that mean? It means you're allowing your own fear or sympathetic response to take control of you to the point where you are enslaved to it, um, to the point where you are you basically have no control over it whatsoever and it's altering your thinking, your reactions, and it's no longer helpful to you. Now, how many of us can look around and, and see examples of that at different times of our life? I, I think every one of us could. You can see some people who get take things, you know, they get out of control 
with fear and anxiety and stress and such. Um, and we're not going to go down the path today about anxiety disorders and things like that. That's when you get into kind of these pathological states. But we're just going into the process of you have this normal f fear response, this fight or flight, and it can potentially get the best of any of us, really. So let's talk about how we actually train to channel this response um, to make it more effective for us in our everyday lives, especially in those potentially life or death situations. And we also can utilize it to just no longer become a slave to our own fears, quite honestly, if we introduce this concept to our everyday life. That is my firm belief. So I think the first place you have to start is having the understanding, like I said before, understanding that these states you're in, these fight or flight states, where you feel jacked up, you feel like you're tremoring, your muscles are tremoring, your hands, do not start associating that with something negative. Associate that with, identify it as this is a normal automated response and start becoming positive about it. I'm having this response because this is potentially dangerous. And if I channel this response correctly, it can actually help me be more effective in this situation. I can be more alert. I can be stronger. I can be faster. We have to identify it as something that is not a negative thing, but something that is a positive thing to begin this process. This is the first piece and the first, I think, true secret, if you would, if you want to call it that, to actually being able to start converting fright into fight, basically, and be able to being able to start gaining more control um, and having a more trained fear response or response, a sympathetic response to actually face potentially dangerous situations. Um, so why would this be a benefit? Well, quite honestly, I see it all the time in medicine. You know, when you first start out medicine and you see new people in it, when they're in these situations where they're dealing with somebody who is dying in front of them and they're frantically trying to do everything they can for this person, it is a very sympathetic or uh, fear-provoking situation in a sense. You will, you will be amped up in those situations. Your adrenaline will be flowing. And when you first go through the first couple of those situations, it can seem very overwhelming. However, as a person is exposed to this more and more and they find ways to deal with it and they find things that work in those situations you'll notice that they start to actually develop a, they start to be able to channel that response. And the response in itself is somewhat blunted, that, that fright response. And so this response, this transformation occurs where you have these situations which were once fright provoking, but because the person has actually gone through them multiple times before, and they've found successful ways of dealing with it, and they've learned from mistakes, they've actually undergone this transformation to where these situations are no longer overwhelming to them. Yeah, they can still be challenging, but they're no longer overwhelming to them, and they're able to deal with the situations. And some people even become experts in those situations. 
they become people of expertise, people you want to have around you when those situations happen. This goes, this process that I'm describing that occurs all the time in medicine, as somebody goes from a novice to, you know, an advanced or an expert, in a sense, this process can happen in any avenue you deal with these fight or flight sympathetic fear responses in your daily life. And um, it's part of this process. Basically, what this process, what I'm trying to get across to you is that dealing with this process and practicing learning to control your sympathetic state and channel it correctly is going to just serve to help you in your everyday life, no matter what you do, especially if you work in a high stress field that deals with life or death and potentially dangerous situations like you're in medicine or you're in law enforcement, uh, in security, uh, emergency, you know, emergency services, whatever it may be. It's also going to help you no matter, even if your occupation is none of those, it's going to help you in your daily life when you have those situations. I mean, we need cars, basically, most of us, depending on where we live, to get around from point A to point B. Look at how many people drive absolutely dangerously. And how often we are put in situations momentarily that are dangerous and we have to respond effectively. Um, this will even help you for those situations. And then, you know, for obvious self-defense situations, this, of course, will help you, especially if you're training. Okay, so we've kind of gone over these aspects from a general standpoint, but then let's talk about how... How can you practice self-defense in martial arts? You know, how can that be a channel, or in my opinion, the best channel for actually learning to develop a better sympathetic response and one that's more useful and effective for you? Well, it's, it's the very process, <laughs> the very fact that martial arts, self-defense, is dealing with one of the most primal dangerous situations a person could ever deal with and that's that's a life or death situation where somebody is actually attacking you that's the whole point of self-defense and martial arts it's learning to find effective ways to deal with somebody who is trying to kill you basically and when you start getting to the point where you can you have done you have been thrown into these stress inoculation scenarios and sparring and realistic scenarios in martial arts and self-defense over and over and over again, you start having a trained and autonomic response, if you would, to these scenarios. I mean, you start doing the process without even thinking about it. And that is part of the, the point of utilizing martial arts to learn to better face your fears. Quite honestly, if you can become successful and train over and over again to build your confidence and to also blunt your fear response to punches being thrown at you, to kicks being th thrown at you, to people much bigger than you throwing you or trying to submit you. When you've done battle in the trenches over and over and over again for years, you get to a point where it's like, this is just another day in the office. And um, 
you start developing a inoculation to that stress. What once really shook you up and got you thinking at a different level, maybe scared, somebody getting into your head with sparring, whatever it may be, no longer does. It doesn't rattle your cage. It's no longer fright. It's just a challenge. And that's the transformation. You want to get these to be, okay, this is a challenge. It might be tough. This person might might get the best of me, but I'm going to bring it, and this is a challenge. Notice how that's much different than when you start in the beginning state sometimes, and it's like, wow, this person, you're just overwhelmed. It's like, how do I deal with all these punches coming in? How do I deal with these kicks? This person's suffocating me. They're trying to get from one submission to another. They're just chaining them. You're just basically surviving. And the transformation really happens on the battlefield in martial arts. You know, with sparring, with realistic scenarios. Um, and that's what you need to train over and over again. Now, one of the, actually the most useful items we've found recently, uh, and I'm not, you've got to be careful with which brand you get, this and that. Um, and if you have health conditions, the one we have just delivers a, you know, a small shock that has not caused any systemic harm to us, just local burn and a nasty sensation to your nerves, but it's been a shock knife. So we actually have basically a taser knife for training that, uh, delivers a, a nasty bite to it. And the sound alone, when you're when you pull, hold down the button and you're coming after somebody with this, just the sound alone of the tss, tss, the tasing, it's enough to, I mean, it, it basically opens up that primal floodgate to any one of us. Your adrenal, I mean, you immediately start thinking, oh, oh great, I'm going to get shocked. Uh, it's not a good feeling. It immediately starts activating that sympathetic response. And uh, it's such a great tool. Because it's creating this stressful situation. It's it's the best thing, in my opinion, close, you know, other than going practicing with a real knife, which would be terrible, a terrible idea. Never do that. Um, to where you, this there's a real consequence for it. The consequence is not so severe that you're not going to be able to train anymore or possibly die. But it's enough to where it causes pain. It causes psychological duress. And you have to learn to deal with those situations and overcome that knife coming at you and still be able to think and use techniques in those situations. So just something as simple as that exercise, knife defense, where somebody's coming at you with a shock knife, is a true way of dealing with probably one of the scariest scenarios a person could deal with. I mean, somebody coming at them with a knife and you are unarmed. And you're learning to deal with it. You're learning to deal with it with your concepts and techniques and find out what really works. Believe me, in those situations, you're going to find what really works for you after being shocked so many times. And that's going to be your go-to. And it's going to be such a honed response, such an autonomic response, just kind of like your fight or flight. And that's part of the transformation. That way, when it com keeps coming back at you, it's like it's a challenge. And after the you know, 50th to 100th time, it becomes that much easier to deal with. So what are some other realistic uh, training scenarios that you can do to kind of help you um, create a more sympathetic, create a more sympathetic response in yourself? Uh, if you if you have a good group of people that are really, you know, they're being observant in this time of COVID of 
of not sharing germs and they you can trust them that they're not going to show up if they're sick or they've had a positive exposure then doing group defense drills have two or three of them come at you at the same time um, to where you have to move around and you have to try to prevent them from taking a hold of you um, if you if you don't have that and you just have a single training partner an amazing drill that one of um, my training partners came up with is one from you know various bottom positions usually guard or mount to where you you're allowed to defend yourself from that position but you can't get out of the position yet so you have to stay in guard or on the bottom of the mount and you have to simply use your head your upper body your arms your elbows to find ways to bob and weave trap counter trap block and defend yourself when the other person has gloves on like the 10 to 15 pound boxing gloves and they're just going they're trying to hit you over and over again for a straight minute so you actually have to in this flurry of punches this onslaught you have to figure out in that moment ways to just start realistically surviving and dealing with that flurry of punches it definitely puts you in the fight or flight state um you know getting hit in the face like that you know obviously don't do this full strength but i would encourage you to do it pretty dang close to full speed so that it it's enough to give you a kick and it's enough to be overwhelming the the person on top is trying to overwhelm the person on the bottom when the person on the bottom is trying to deal with the overwhelming over and over and over again and once they learn to find that calm in the storm it's when the transformation occurs it's when this no longer becomes fright but it becomes fight it's like okay you're going to start swinging at me i'm going to i'm going to weather the storm and i'm going to start trapping and i'm going to start thinking and i'm going to start outmaneuvering you as you do this to me and we'll stay in the pocket see the difference in that it's not oh i need to survive this it's we're going to fight yeah well I'll, I'll stand in this position and we'll trade so these are some realistic little scenarios um, you can do. Another one that, you know, some people give me a hack for, but it's blindfold training. <laughs> Put a blindfold on and have somebody start coming at you with the gloves. You know, allow them to make, have them make just enough noise to where you can know where they're at in the beginning. But from a blind perspective, just with feel, try to deal with this person trying to attack you, take you down punch you kick you believe me it starts provoking that fight or flight response in the beginning um and you are on high alert and you have to find ways to ba basically develop sensitivity know where they're at and find ways to realistically come in at them but all four of these drills basically they i've given you guys i've given you guys a way of realistically creating a sympathetic response in your training and then learning to find ways to deal with that. And as you find ways to deal with that, it's going to it's going to spill over into other aspects of your life. If you're able to deal with somebody coming at you with a shock knife, harassing you, swearing at you, make it as realistic as possible like they're a street thug trying to do this. You know, in real life dealing with that person who's kind of you know their mouth and off to yourself, that's that's a lot easier. You know what I mean? If you can deal with somebody coming at you with a shock knife or good sparring partners just coming at you and trying to lay it on you, 
you can deal with these people that are all bark and no bite. Or people that try to come after you that are untrained. Yeah, you're the one that's training for this. So I think that's my overall point, is we should be training our fear response. Not just techniques, not just concepts of how to deal with people, but our fear response as a whole. That way, in these situations, we can better think, we can better deal with the challenge, and we can find our way out of it. We can problem solve and survive. Now, one other point I want to make is that one of the most practical ways of starting to help open up the gateway or, you know, it's kind of the door to helping you deal with your own fight or flight or fear response is through the breath, through breathing. And it's through deep, deep breathing, abdominal breathing. Um, Gracies and Gracie Jiu-Jitsu have known this for a long time. That's why they practice being so relaxed when they're defending themselves and these guys can go forever. Um, and they'll do these, especially the, the older guys who were really into this, they would do the, like, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name of, of one of them, but he, he had these amazing breathing exercises where he, he would get really, he could do all sorts of interesting breath control things. You just have to be simple about this to start with. Um, but really, it is a way, um, and, and I have proven this to myself. It's con- I've been convinced enough myself, um, putting myself through some pretty grueling training routines. It is a way to stay calm when it's so easy not to. Um, you know, when you're five fights in and you're going through like a shark tank drill, where fresh people are coming in and they're just assaulting you and you have to deal with them and keep fighting. It's very easy to become overwhelmed. Um, but how do you not become overwhelmed? I think it starts with the breath. That's, that's at least been what I've learned. And one of the people that I learned this from was Mark is Mark divine. He's a really fantastic person. He has a podcast, uh, the unbeatable mind podcast. Uh, you should check it out. He's really phenomenal, intelligent human being. Uh, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. Uh, he's he's a fantastic leader. He had leadership positions uh, in the Navy. Uh, he also runs this incredible podcast to where he tries to take um, a lot of these a lot of these major major intrinsic things he's learned through the Navy SEALs, through starting his own business, um, through his karate training. He's a high-level black belt in one of the karate forms. And he's integrated all this to find out what truly works for him. And he tries to share it with people. And one of the major things that he got that is actually taught to Navy SEALs is this deep abdominal breathing. Uh, and he, the way he teaches it, um, and Mark, you can go to Mark's site to get the exact things. And forgive me, Mark, if I actually botch this. But what I took from it, one of the episodes he was teaching is a five, a five count breath in and then a five breath count release or seconds, excuse me. So I breathe in deeply with my abdomen and I try to aim for five seconds. And then I release that for five seconds. And I try to extend that to five. And it's really hard to do, obviously, when you're out of breath and you're fighting sometimes, but you try to do it. And it's a way to just kind of slow yourself down, find stillness in yourself and find peace in the moment, even though you're in a fight or flight situation. And, um, 
this is really important that we we practice breath control as martial artists, as self-defenders, um, and start practicing it in your sparring, in your stress drills, um, where people are trying to amp you up, stress you out, and you're having to do these intricate self-defense situations while remembering to breathe. That's the important thing, getting making this a habit. Um, but breath control is so important. Um, I'll use one example from my own life before I even... Uh, I used to have bad asthma as a kid and I used to, it used to be either stress induced or exercise induced. And one time I was wrestling and, and somebody, uh, I was pretty young then, I think fourth grade and somebody, one of the bigger kids, he, he pinned me and I was fighting to get out and I was emotional. And, um, so I'm, I'm getting amped up fight or flight. And then I also have somebody heavy on top of me and I'm also exerting myself. You know, I, I'd done multiple matches before and all of a sudden I just, I, I freak out and I start having an asthma attack and I'm freaking out. I, I, he's like, man, are you all right? He gets up and I'm just, I can't catch a breath. And I, I, I literally ran out of the gym. I ran out of the gym. It was like I was trying to climb out of the water. It felt like I was drowning or something. And I was just running. I didn't know what I was doing at the moment. And fortunately, I ran outside and all of a sudden there was the mother of one of the others, the other wrestlers there. And she said, I need you to come over here, hon. And she grabbed me by the hand, put me over, sat me down. I was kind of in a tripod position and she said, I need you to take deep breaths through your nose. And so I try to take one and then I'm, you know, in between and I'm just shaking and I'm freaking out. And, but she's got her hand on me. And she's like, deep breath in, out. And she's my guide in the moment. And literally within one to two minutes, she had me breathing normal and out of that asthma attack. And so that was a, a real striking lesson uh, when I was younger on how with breath control, you could help blunt and better control the sympathetic response in your body. And... Um, it was pretty amazing that I remember that to this day. So later on, when I wanted to get into running, I, I was not into jogging ever because of my asthma. And I was always afraid. Again, here we have fear, conditioned by fear. I was always conditioned to believe that if I ran too far, I would have asthma issues because I tried it in school. And if I ran beyond a certain point, I would start having potentially an asthma attack. And then one day I was thinking about joining the CHP Academy and they have you run a lot. So I was like, I, I want to get fit for this and I should start running. It's good for the mind. It's good for depression and dealing with things. And so I start running and I'm on a, a marathon training protocol just for the kick of it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just try today. I'm going to try to go over um, four miles. I'm just going to keep going as long as I can go. And that day, for some reason, I just had the inclination to where I said, I'm going to breathe through my nose because in the process of all this running, I started to realize if I could breathe through my nose and force myself most of the way to breathe through my nose, I could somehow control my response to uh, over breathing and becoming asthmatic. And so I started doing it and I hit mile four and I'm like, wow, I feel great. 
And then I hit mile five and then I, I had my first runner's high and boy, was it a massive runner's high. I mean, I felt numb all over. I, I felt numb. I felt like in the moment I was going to faint, but it almost felt like a good faint. It was like, oh, I don't feel dizzy or anything. I just feel like I can't feel anything. I feel my legs kind of running on the ground, but I was like, I could run forever. It was funny because it was my first runner's high. But then I just kept going and I kept breathing like this. And I ended up doing eight miles that day. And that, that was the longest I'd ever run in my life. And at the end of the eight miles, I was like, I actually could go longer. But I ended up stopping because I, I didn't have a great knee at the time. And I said, it's smart to stop here. But in that moment, I realized the importance of breath control. And the reason I share that whole story with you is that um, really through having something like asthma as a child and being able to kind of utilize breath control to help to some respect control my response to having asthma attacks. That was a very pinnacle lesson and something that eventually I would learn to understand from my martial arts mind the way I do now. So practice your breath control, guys. Um, not to mention, don't just do it in class, but also do it outside of class. In your everyday life, when you're faced with a moment where you start feeling the sympathetic fight or flight response, I want you guys to take the challenge of start to breathe deeply in your abdomen and find stillness in the moment. Now, if it's a moment where you have to react immediately, you need to react immediately. But if it's a moment where someone's amping you up and you're at a safe distance and you need to, and you have the ability to start breathing. And I think you'd start being impressed with how your mind thinks, how you deal with the scenario. So that's my synopsis on the lesson. Martial arts is, and self-defense are such an important part of life, period. I'm obviously a fan, um, not just a fan, it's a way of life, you know, and, and it took me a while to buy into that many years of doing it until I learned to embrace that fact. So as a recap, we need to understand that the fight or flight, the sympathetic or the fear response is a very normal response to dangerous or potentially dangerous situations. We need, to, we need to understand the biology of it. It's normal to start having your heart pounding out of your chest. It's normal to start feeling yourself breathe, maybe hyperventilate a little. Your lungs are opening up to feel tremors in your hands, to feel psychologically like your thoughts are racing and they're kind of jacked up. These are all normal. You might even start sweating. You might even pee yourself a little bit in the beginning. Some people do. These are all a normal biological response. And it's important for us to identify them as that and start associating it with a positive response. And we can also find ways to actually convert the fright or the unproductive elements of it that we are feeling or experiencing into more productive ways of entering this state. And how do we do it? What's the one way I've found that is the most realistic and safest way and effective way, in my opinion, it's through martial arts and self-defense. Um, it's through having good training partners that are going to challenge you in scenarios to where you guys aren't permanently injuring each other or killing each other. 
but it's challenging enough to where they are creating a sympathetic response into you, a sympathetic response in yourself. And go over those practical drills I mentioned. If you're open to a shock knife, get a shock knife. Just make sure you get a good one that's safe. Um, do group fighting drills. Do blindfold drills. Do the guard bottom. You can't go anywhere, but you can dodge and try to counter trap and fight back from the bottom drill. Spar. Spar with people who are better than you, who put on the pressure. It's through the battlefield. It's through action. As I said with that first, as we said at the first quote, thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. You're going to have to start using actions to do this stuff. And what's the best place to do them? In my opinion, your, your martial arts or self-defense class. And then it's all these, as this process occurs, you'll start being transformed. You'll start being able to have better control over your sympathetic response. Your sympathetic response will start being more effective and efficient for you and less bothersome and unproductive. And you will start becoming more of a master of your own fear in your everyday life. So it's such an important thing. And remember, breathing is part of the start, the gateway. Not just the training, but the breathing. Start breathing deeply into the abdomen. Try to aim for those five seconds in, five seconds out. And again, I encourage you to actually take a look at Mark Devine's stuff. He's not a sponsor of me. Um, he's a fantastic guy. I've learned a lot from him through his books and through his podcast. And uh, he's, he's a very wise, a wise uh, master, if you would, a wise instructor. And um, he has a lot to share. And go over some of his breathing exercises. The one I shared with you today is just kind of the parasympathetic response or breathing activator to try and counteract your sympathetic response. So deep abdominal breath in and out. And try to do that during these training sessions. Uh, so again, you know, every one of us will experience fear in our lives. Every one of us will have this sympathetic response. But I think it's so important. It's so easy to become conditioned to fear. It's a normal thing. We have bad things happen to us throughout our lives. But wouldn't it be great to no longer be enslaved to those fears? Wouldn't it be great to be able to deal with those conflicts and those situations when they arise and, and not have to avoid them, but to face them head on if we you know, are in a circumstance where we have to do it. Um, I think so. It's freeing. It's emancipating. And I think every one of us would be much happier uh, if we were in that situation. So you all are wonderful. Thank you so much. Again, email me. Uh, share this podcast with people you think it's helpful. Email me or text me any episode you guys want to see. And uh, hopefully I'll get back on track and giving you guys at least a weekly episode. You all are wonderful. Thank you.